Well, good morning, Catalyst. It is my honor to be bringing uh, to be bringing the part two of our essential series. And so, I would encourage you if you have missed uh, the kind of the first foundational block here that we we talked about last week. It's called Essentials. You can catch it on the website under media. You can also catch it on our podcast as well. But uh, we Essentials is essentially the heart behind that is that we just wanted to kind of get back to some real basics of what does it mean to follow Christ and live out our lives as Christ followers. Um, it, can, it can be challenging at times, and so we want to kind of lay some foundation, if you will. Uh, Jeremy started last week with that series, kind of talking about and making the analogy of a house. And so neither one of us, he, he told you, all of you, uh, that he is not good with anything to do with repairs around the house. And I said amen very loud from the first row. Um, but also, you know, we're not experts here. And so I'm sure there's some contractors in the room who are probably like, that wasn't exactly correct. Um, so I submit that to you. But we, just for sake of analogy here, Jeremy talked last week that Jesus is our foundation. And that this, he's, you have to lay the foundation of a house concrete, you have to treat it, you have to put the footings in place in order to build a stable structure. And so the second part, the second phase of building a home, as I understand it, thank you Google, um, is really to frame the house. And so framing, what happens in the framing process is we've got the floor is laid, the walls are erected, and then the roof is put on. And so you're framing the house. And so just like our bones, our, our skeletal system gives us structure to move and, and to, to, to be, if you will, the same is true for a house and the same is true for our lives. And so today we're going to, the, for the sake of the analogy, I'm going to say that the framing is actually this value that service is our posture. Maybe you've even seen some of the t-shirts around Catalyst Dream Team who serve countless hours and time and heart and energy. Um, it says service is our posture on the back of those shirts because we believe it's actually the frame of our life. We believe that, that we are made in God's image and God, uh, God sent his son Jesus not to be served but to serve. He came to serve not to be served and so we believe that in like image, that as we reflect our Father's image, that too is our purpose. We are here to serve. And when I mean serve, I mean your whole life is service. Take a quick inventory. It's your home life, whether you're even in, in a roommate situation, like you're serving each other at work, in community, here at church. All of life is an opportunity to serve. And so as believers, we believe that this value of service being our posture, just like Jesus, is the, is the way of greatness. In fact, Matthew 23, 11 says that the greatest, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he said, you want to be great? The greatest among you will be your servant. In fact, um, Matthew 26, 37 through 39, he sums up the whole, he, he sums up the Bible with this. He said, you, you want to follow me? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And secondly, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so in our basic human nature, uh, we're selfish. We are, we are selfish beings in our flesh without Jesus. Um, but how many know that with God's help, uh, we, we, can, we can align our lives with Christ. In fact, just the other day, I, my daughter, I asked her to do something to help me in the house. And y'all, my, 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 uh, I do have some Southern roots. You're going you're gonna to hear me. I know that's incorrect grammar. But can I tell you, when my children kind of talk back to me, it's going to come out for sure. And so she comes up to me and she says, I say, hey, Hannah, can you help me with this? And she says, uh, mom, 
uh, I am not your servant. And I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say to mama? Because I don't think so. Uh, I gave birth to you, right? Like, I gave birth to you. Let me help you out. And I said, Lord, we've got a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And so, um, actually, Jeremy mentioned the life you always wanted as a resource if you want to kind of take this essential series to the next level. And he says it this way, more than any other single way, the grace of humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. Nothing disciples the inordinate desires, the in, in, sorry, the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. Nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. Today we're going to unpack what it looks like to frame our life, to frame our life around service as a posture. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for breath in my lungs this morning. What an honor it is to serve you in this way, God, to, to open your word. And so, Father, I know, I am confident that your word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so I ask you, Father, that this morning you would open our ears, open our hearts, including my own, Father, and that you would speak to the deepest places of our heart this morning. I know that it's, it is impossible, Father, not to be changed when we open our hearts towards you and your word. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Catalyst. Amen. All right, we're going to start. We're going to pick up uh, from John 13, verse 3. You can read with me on the screens uh, or if you've got your Bible in your hand. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Uh, skip down to verse 13. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set before you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So let me explain what's happening here. So we have Jesus. Uh, it is right before Passover festival, which is uh, a, a Jewish festival in which they're celebrating the liberation of uh, the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And, and they're getting ready to celebrate. But he has a dinner with his boys and women. Um, and he is having, with his disciples, he is having a dinner. And it was very commonplace to have a Gentile servant uh, at that time to actually be in the home to wash your feet because everyone wore sandals. And you typically would walk everywhere unless you were traveling by, you know, with, with animals. And, and I don't need to paint that picture for you. You can imagine the road is dirty, right? They're traveling a long way. And so it would be very common to wash your feet before a meal. And so um, scholars actually presume that the disciples walked into the room noticing that there was no one to wash their feet, which would have been pretty commonplace. No one really jumped to the, you know, to the task, if you will. Um, but yet you can see how this situation, this particular circumstance was so, it was like a setup. It was a divine setup because Jesus was about to do something really radical. He was going to actually take up the lowest position in the room, and he was about to wash his disciples' feet. We also know that this is really symbolic of what he was about to do. He was about to take not only a towel, he was going to wear a towel, nothing but a towel, and hang on a cross for us. He was going to wash not only feet that day, but he was going to wash the sins of humanity away. And so you can see this is such a, this is such a significant and symbolic act that Jesus is about to do. 
In fact, my son more recently, I was, he catches me off guard. He makes me laugh a lot. But this particular day was not a laughing matter. In fact, I'm sitting there by myself trying to get a few minutes of quiet for myself in the morning before they woke up. And little did I know, he had actually been out in the backyard running around with no shoes on. And so his feet are filthy. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I'm just having this moment with God. And he sticks his feet in my face. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, what would possess you to put your dirty feet in my face? And so, like, I'm his mother. Like, his feet were formed in my belly, and I still thought that it was really gross. So just to, to, you know, what Jesus is doing here is really gross, but it was also our sin can be really gross, right? And he went to the cross for it. And so what Jesus is doing is so countercultural. He's flipping it upside down. And so today I want to give you kind of three frames of mind, if you will, if you think of the house analogy, three frames. And for some of you, you are living out this value, very much so. You are living as a, from a posture of service. And so the challenge for you today is actually just to make some small adjustments. And I'm going to unpack that, to, to really readjust, to reframe. Some of us need to frame our life around someone other than ourselves, which doesn't mean that you think of yourself, that you don't think of yourself. It just means we need to think of ourselves less, right? So some of us have that step to take. Others of us have another step to take, which is just going to be some minor adjustments in the way that we approach life in the posture of service. So we know frame number one, if you're taking notes, is serve from true identity. Serve from true identity. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. We see here this Greek word new actually means to perceive directly or to convince or have an understanding, a deep understanding of the truth. And so we see that Jesus being fully man and fully God, it'd be easy to read this chapter and be like, he's God, right? Like he didn't struggle with serving other people, but he was also fully man. And so he did. In fact, he had to convince himself of who he was. How many know that sometimes in this life, you have to remind yourself of who you are? a lot, almost every day. It's why it's so important that we constantly put on the mind of Christ, that we're constantly aligning our values and our thoughts with his thoughts, because we have to in order to walk out what God's called us to walk out. In fact, we also know that Jesus, not only did he know who he was, and that it's very significant that he had to remind himself who he was before he took off his robe. His robe, these robes represented uh, titles, positions. Jesus was teacher and rabbi in the room. And so that would have been unheard of for Jesus to wash feet. But he had to choose, hey, I need to remind myself of who I am, that I came from God and I'm going to God. And I I put his ways above all other ways in order to to have the courage to take his robe off. In fact, I think it's significant. You know, we have our robes too. Our robes represent titles, positions, where you fall on the org chart, where you work, how much money you have, where you live, what you drive. These are all robes. And the truth of it is that you cannot serve from a posture of service if that is what you're focused on. It is impossible to do unless you take those robes off. And so these can be hindrances. They can be stumbling blocks in our life if we don't remove the robe. You know, this doesn't mean that you step down from your positions. God's given you those roles and those places in life. But what it means is don't allow the titles behind your name and the the significant, the things that you achieve in this life to be a hindrance from serving others. The purpose is never to outgrow service. We don't climb so high in our pursuit of trying to be significant 
that we forget that the purpose is to serve. That is the goal. That is the goal. We never outgrow it. In fact, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus knew that all authority in heaven and earth had been given to him. So he humbled himself. In fact, he humbled himself there in that room. And then only a couple of chapters later, he humbled himself to a cross. He could have called you know, legion of angels to take him down. In fact, the word tells us that. But he willingly chose to serve, to, take, to, to give his life. You know, when we serve one another, essentially what we do is we crucify our flesh. And it is painful. It is. Has anybody ever tried to fast? Right? It's painful. Your flesh is like, I don't think so. I'm starving. And what happens? You get hangry, right? Our flesh needs to be fed. <laughs> and so our flesh is very, it dictates a lot of our life. And we have to really put things in check. In fact, Psychology Today article on identity, actually, um, said that values actually dictate our behavior, so if, if, if I'm reading that right, and psychologists are saying what you value, so if you value service, then your behavior in your life should actually reflect it. And so it gives us an opportunity to kind of pause and say, what does my life reflect? Does it reflect this value that Jesus held so deeply? In fact, the article goes on to say that people are overly concerned with their robe and the significance of their robes actually will have a really hard time ever walking in their true identity as a son and a daughter. That's putting it through the spiritual context. You'll never walk in your authentic self if you're overly concerned with the robes that you wear and you're unwilling, and we're unwilling to take them off in order to serve. In fact, just this week, I was finishing up some kind of quiet time, and then I'd gone into some kind of just message prep. There's a lot of study and outlines and thoughts that go into uh, really bringing the word. And so here I am doing this, thinking like, oh, yes, I have quiet. And then all of a sudden, my daughter, <laughs> my youngest, waddles in the room. Can I tell you, when, when your child walks in the room and the room is immediately filled with an aroma that is not pleasant, you know what's coming next. In fact, I can literally see her and her diaper is so full that it is dragging almost the ground. And behind her, she is leaking things from her bedroom all the way to me. And she's standing there and she's saying, Mama, change me. And I'm thinking like, okay, when you're at the point you can tell me to change you, you have got to go to the potty by yourself. I'm just saying. But, and I'm going to be honest, in that moment, I can't tell you, I, I was like, yay, an opportunity to serve. No, I was like, oh, can you just go away for a few more minutes? Can I be honest, church? That was not my, I had to literally take my robe off of pastor and leader of Catalyst and things that I'm, you know, that I'm responsible. I had to take my robe off or I would have never taken a knee. Can I get real with you? I had to take my robe off in order to serve my daughter in this way. And let me tell you, the more you delay, just like I did, the more mess that it's creating all around as she circled my entire bedroom with her leaky diaper. I'm going to leave it at that. John Orthberg, the author of The Life That You've Always Wanted, again, a resource that Jeremy mentioned last week, if you want to take a deeper dive, says it this way, that our flesh whines against service and screams against hidden service. And it wars against our true identity and being great in the kingdom. I'm going to read that again. Our flesh whines against service and screams against hiddenness. You know, if we're going to follow Christ, the way up is the way down. Every time. God came, Christ came to flip, flip it on its head. He's like, what the world says is significant is actually not as significant as we think, we think our robes are. 
It's actually, it's, it's this way of posture of service and a heart that is, that is to serve and to love others. You don't have to look very hard for opportunities to embrace a towel. <laughs> you, you don't. It's all around us. It's in our communities. It's in our church. It's in our home. It's in our workplace. There are opportunities everywhere if we are attuned to it. And, and unlike the disciples who noticed, hey, there's no one in the room. There's no one in the room to serve, but I'm going to wait to be served. That is what we don't want to do. We want to learn from this story and learn from this example and say, you know what? You know what? I, I see. I see. I see that need. I, I see those dishes piling up. I see, you know, I see my colleagues struggling and needing some help. I see that my roommate is, is really working hard, and yeah, he or she has not been keeping up with their list of responsibilities, and I've been carrying the weight. It's this grace and it's this mercy that permeates our life. You know, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15, 13. So I have a challenge for you this week, and I'm going to give you a challenge after every frame. We have homework to do this week. It's to take inventory. Take inventory this week. If all your robes were stripped away tomorrow, every robe was stripped away, what would you be left with? What would you be left with? Would you, would you be left standing, say, God, my ch- I'm a son and a daughter, and I know it's going to be okay. God, show me the way of service. Would that be our honest response? That's between you and God. How do your current values direct your actions? So in other words, if someone was to see and look in your life and be there with a camera, you know, kind of like live feed, what, what would they say you value? Would they say that you value that service is a true value on the inside. It's a framework of your life. It's the skeletal uh, system that keeps you in place because you know it's a part of your purpose. You know who you are, so you're not below anything, doing anything for anyone or serving. And also, what, what, what would they think? What conclusion would they come to? You know, for some of you, the, the, the challenge is actually realizing hey, you know what, maybe I need to stop thinking of, uh, I need to not stop thinking of myself. In fact, we have to take care of ourselves. Put your own oxygen mask on before you can serve others. But maybe it's just thinking of yourself less. Maybe that's your next step, realizing, man, you know what, my life does revolve around me. And that's actually not my divine purpose in life. But for many of you, you're like, hey, <laughs> I am tapped out serving. I serve everybody. I serve my employees at my, my workplace, you know, that, that, that I employ, or I serve my colleagues that I work with, or I serve my family. I serve my community. I'm serving at church. And, you, and, and I have a challenge for you in this next step, which is going to be frame number two, which is to reflect daily. I'm going to explain what I mean. Go with me to John 13, 6, verse, uh, verses 6 through 11. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered. Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Give me a shower, right? Jesus answered, those who have had a bath, need only to wash their feet because their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And Jesus is simply, he's, you know, we know Judas is in the room. And so Judas, Judas has other motives kind of brewing in his heart. And so Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, look, 
hey, you're, you, you've, already cl- you've come clean to the dinner party. Like I suspect most of us would go to, to a nice dinner with others, probably showered, right? However, he's saying, hey, you don't need a full bath. You just need to wash your feet because there was a dirt road on the way here. And I think it's so symbolic of what Jesus, not only did Jesus make a way on the cross for us by serving and giving his life so that we could go to him at any point and repent daily. I don't know about you, but there's, there, the sin may not be obvious in our lives, but every day, take an inventory of your thoughts. Maybe the next, last time you served someone and you were like, oh, do I have to do this? Oh, if I pick up these toys one more time <laughs> as a mother or as, a, as an employee, man, if that person doesn't pull their weight, so help me. You know, I mean, there's so many thoughts in our head that are not building up other people. It's, it's, it's begrudgingly serving. We all have opportunities to examine our hearts and the way that we serve and reflect daily and ask God to, 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 to just take it, right? Repent. And so I think Jesus is saying here, like, hey, we just need to wash our feet. And so I think what Jesus is teaching is this, this other, you know, there's a discipline, a spiritual discipline of service, but there's also a spiritual discipline of uh, repentance and self-examine. You have to examine what's going on in your heart in order to repent. And both are important because it is quite possible to serve without the right motives. Judas was in the room. Judas is seemingly serving Jesus, but in his heart, he's far from him. Self-examination is the act of reflecting into one's own state, thoughts, attitudes, behaviors, and earnest motives of the heart. So while you're serving at your workplace, It's pausing long enough to ask yourself, did you begrudgingly take that assignment? Or did you do it from a place of, God, I work for you? It's the the next time you're, um, you know, you're, you're picking up, you're doing laundry, you're cooking, you're doing whatever you do for someone else other than yourself, and you're thinking, ugh, I really don't like this. And it's okay not to like it. But that's a check mark. That's kind of a dashboard indicator. Man, okay, I'm losing my joy. Like, what's going on in my heart? Why do I feel this way? And taking the time to reflect and to pause and really examine our hearts. You know, while going about our daily routines, these opportunities are endless and everywhere. To really start taking the moments to say, all right, I'm serving, but I've lost my joy. Why? What, what, what is going on? What, why am I at this place? Because we so hurriedly run through life that we're just kind of on the hamster wheel and we don't stop long enough in all of our serving and our doing to really be with God and allow him to examine our hearts. 1 Samuel 16, 7, I like the message version. It says, God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face, but God looks into the heart. And the good news is that 1 John 1.9 reminds us. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. In fact, the other book that Jeremy mentioned by Richard Foster, it's called Celebration of Discipline. Today, we're talking about really essentially a a spiritual discipline of service. And so uh, as a part of that, he actually says it's quite possible just to give self-righteous service. You might ask, well, what is self-righteous service? Self-righteous service is looking for external rewards. It's looking for someone to notice. It's uncontented in hiddenness. 
And it's looking for that affirmation, of course, with religious, proper religious modesty. So it's going through the motions. It's essentially what Judas was doing. In fact, it's really easy to, uh, to have a bad attitude or even kind of do things with a tinge of revenge. Come on, spouses, let's get real for just a moment. When is the last time that you did something and you're like, man, I hope he notices? Man, I hope she notices. Because <laughs> you're looking for that, you're looking for that validation. You're looking for that temporal reward, right? And, and instead of saying, like, man, I do it unto you, God, in hiddenness. And now listen, I am not saying that we should not get some affirmation and recognition. We are humans. We need that. But what I'm saying is when we crave that, and that is the reason why we serve. It's not coming from a place of true identity in Christ, saying like, God, I want to have your heart on this. I want to value it truly from my heart and do it even if nobody notices. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't think just in a con- one context. I want you to think your whole life, the totality of your life, whatever you do, Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. When I start to sense that something's off and I'm starting to kind of feel, and yes, it happens to me too, I'm served out, right? And in terms of your totality of your life, you're starting to lose your joy. You're starting to get, you know, we call it sassy in our home. When you're starting to kind of, you're starting to be edgy, right? When, when you get to that place, the best thing we can do is see it as a dashboard indicator, much as you would see the oil light coming in your car. You wouldn't keep driving it. It's eventually going to stop working, right? Or you're going to do worse damage. We ignore these signals all the time in our lives. Those signals are simply like, hey, need some attention here. <laughs> it's time to take a deeper look. Let's see what's going on. Let's slow down and actually figure out what's going on here. Let's not just do lip service. In fact, this past year, um, I was having some hip and some shoulder pain, and yes, I think it's a part of the process of becoming more mature in my age, Um, and so I was starting to experience some pain, and I was like, what is going on with my body? Like, I used to be able to do this, and it didn't hurt, and so I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk to an expert, so I talked to a trainer at my gym, and what he said was... He said, Christina, what you're experiencing is actually muscle imbalance. And what that means is that you're overworking with all of the work that you do. You're overworking your quads. You're overworking, you know, your your shoulders and your chest. But you have completely neglected the backside. So you're actually not lifting enough weight to balance the load here. And so, of course, your muscles are pulling forward, whereas you need to, we need to get you on a back plan. We need to get you doing some hamstring work. We need to get you doing these other things. And so I thought, man, what an interesting parallel that sometimes in our kind of, in our Christian faith, right, these spiritual disciplines, if you will, of our whole life, we can overserve and really easy, like easily. It is easy to serve a lot. And the challenge is that if we neglect the other, the other side, which is some of these things we're talking about. It's reflecting daily. It's called the, the discipline of self-examine. It's what's going on inside. It's not just keep pressing through and numbing the pain, right? If it's confession. God, forgive me where I fell short, where I, where I missed the mark. If, if, we don't, if we don't slow down, if we don't just be silent and, and in solitude, these are, all, these are all spiritual disciplines. But it is really easy to have spiritual Muscle imbalance, if you will. And so the important, these are just indicators. When, when you start, pain is, a, is an indicator, something's off. 
And so we just have to look at the totality to make sure that we are strong to go the distance. In fact, um, oftentimes it's funny because we often want to quit when there's pain. You know, I've pulled out, or if you get to a place where you're just exhausted in, in, in one area of your life, maybe, maybe you're exhausted in your marriage, and you're like, done, I'm done, I'm done, right? I'm, I've served out, and there, you know, and there's, maybe, maybe it's in your workplace. I am served out, I'm done, right? Uh, these kids, I'm done, <laughs> I've had it, right? There's so many moments where we get to this place, and oftentimes we want to quit, but that's actually not the answer. In fact, more recently, I started having some more pain in my knee as I was doing squats. And so I'm doing squats, and I'm like, man, I need to talk to the trainer again. I shouldn't be feeling this pain. This can't just be old age, right, getting older, right? I hope not. But anyways, I'm standing there, and he's looking, and he's kind of, and within a couple seconds, he's like, Christina, in order to bear the load, you, you don't, ask not, this is his quote directly, Ask not for a lighter weight, but broader shoulders. And he's like, what I'm telling you is that you need to reframe and balance your weight. No wonder your knee's hurting because you're not balancing the weight right. So he adjusts my feet and he adjusts the angle just a little bit. And do you know the pain that I had went away immediately? And so oftentimes, we just want to throw in the towel and be like, man, this business is too hard. This, these, this, this relationship is too hard. This is too hard. But don't throw in the towel. That's not what you need to do. We just need to maybe sometimes we got to invite someone else in to be able to help us see rightly what is maybe what, what spiritual imbalance could be out of place. And all we have to do is actually just readjust, to adjust our angle. The answer is not to quit. We cannot quit as believers, as followers of Christ. We're never going to quit the posture of service. This is who we are. This is a part of who we are. It flows out of divine relationship with the one who created us that way. So don't give up. So here's your challenge. What minor adjustments might you make, might you need to make in order to get your joy back? Some of you want to quit in some area of your life today. And I'm not saying there are some things you should quit, so I'll put that in a side note. But you know what I'm talking about. The stuff you know you're committed to, you're not going to quit. You shouldn't quit. Those things. Those things. Just what adjustments might you make so that you can go the long haul and build strength? In fact, I learned, apparently, as you age, the best thing particularly women can do, and men, but mostly women, we lose muscle quickly. So we got to put the muscle on. But if you're going to put the muscle on, you better have the right form or you're going to hurt yourself. And I'm telling you, the older I get, the more I see, man, it is true in life. The longer you live, the more responsibility, the more weight, the broader shoulders you better have. <laughs> so we got we to get strong, church, so that we can do all that God has called us to do. For some of you, it's taking inventory of your life to say, you know what? Life is actually just about me and I don't serve anyone else. In fact, 99% of the time, my thoughts are about me. This is your challenge today. Align your heart. Decide that you love God enough to say, God, I want to operate the way that you've called me to be, just like Jesus knew. Jesus knew why he came and what he was doing. The same thing. Align me with my divine purpose. I know that my divine purpose as a son and a daughter of God has something to do with serving others. I know that. Would you align me today? Which leads us to frame number three. You guys still with me? 
love deeply, love deeply. First Peter 4, 8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Now, I love the love. I love, I love that love covers because love is actually, when we go back to the housing analogy, that roof is kind of a covering for the house. Love covers everything we do. Have you ever been served, but love wasn't there? It, feel, it feels yucky. It just feels icky, right? It feels self-righteous. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not true. And so that is not Jesus. We're saying, all right, hey, God, help us to love with the genuine love where people actually feel like they've been hugged by you when they encounter us. At the beginning of chapter 1, Again, Jesus, is, it says, Jesus was showing in another uh, version, it says he's about to show the full extent of his love, the full extent of his love. And I think the reason that he could do that is because he got his affirmation from the Father. He knew who he was. If you are waiting for acknowledgement for all the service that you do, and you're looking at for somebody else, you will always be disappointed. We have got to get the affirmation of our Father so that we can be empowered to do the hard things. Love is hard. Love is hard. And let me tell you why it's hard. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Come on. Sometimes, don't you want to keep a little list? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Church, we're going to need some muscle for this. And it's not something we can muster in and of ourselves. Our flesh cannot do it. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit, and the fruit should be evident. Jeremy talked about it last week. The fruit of the Spirit should be evident in our lives when we are operating with the Holy Spirit's help. On a side note, did anyone take the challenge to inspect your fruit? I did. And let me tell you, I wasn't happy with some of it. I was like, all right, Lord. All right, Lord. I need you to help me in these areas. I love how Jesus, even to the very hour of washing feet, he is still not only giving Judas an opportunity to self-reflect and repent for sitting at the table with the wrong motives, but his heart, he's sitting there. It's like, man, I love, I love you. He loved him to the end, to the point where he was betrayed by a kiss. Like this love, no one can, like no one has seen a love like this. But this is our God. In fact, true love is always going to require a choice. True love always requires a choice. Look at every sappy romantic film there is. There's always this like climactic moment where you have to let the person go right? Because love requires a choice. You have to choose it. You can't be forced to love. That's what makes it so powerful. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You cannot make yourself love one another. We have to be affirmed by our Father. We have to know that we are loved. It is really hard to love someone else if you don't know that you are loved. Jesus was convinced of this. Jesus was convinced, I am loved, and therefore I can derobe. It is 
very, it is near darn impossible <laughs> to derobe if you don't know you're loved. Because you're trying to get your affirmation in all the robes. You're trying to find your identity in the robes. But that actually has nothing to do, those robes are great. They're actually, they're, they, we'll call them influence. They're opportunities. They're opportunities to influence others with the love of Jesus. That's what the robes are. But if we get that wrong, we'll always, we'll always be holding tight to those robes, not wanting to take them off. So practically, loving deeply from a posture of, of service looks like this. Perhaps it's lending a listening ear to a hurting friend or a relative. It's just listening. It's not trying to solve things. Or to your spouse, hello, I have tried to solve some problems and not just listen. Maybe it's just listening. That's what love looks like. What if it's lending compassion and patience when people aren't moving fast enough for you? Maybe it looks like bearing each other's burdens, sitting in grief with people. None of us like to grieve. It's really hard. It's ugly. And we want to hurry people through it. But it's just sitting with them, being there for them, sending flowers, being thoughtful. Maybe it's just a text. Hey, I was thinking about you today. These little moments of love matter. They matter. On a day-to-day -day basis, maybe in your home, love looks like making sure everybody has clean underwear. That's being real. Right? It's these little things, making sure that everybody's fed, everybody's bathed. It's the hard yards. That's love. That's what love looks like. Jesus washed, he washed our feet. He washed our hearts. He washed our hearts. Just this past week, I had a really full week of lots of responsibility in, in various spheres of my life. And I was starting to hit kind of the, the wall of like, oh, service feels heavy. Kind of lost my joy. And I was at that place, and I also realized, man, I haven't had as much time to, to slow down and to reflect and to see what's really going on in my heart. So I was able to do that, and then I got um, a text out of the blue for someone to, um, this actually happened twice this week, which kind of blew me away, um, but the first time, someone texted me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm sending dinner, and they have their own family and responsibilities, and I didn't even know that I needed that, um, just to have kind of one less thing to do, and it, can I tell you, and then it happened again at the end of the week, and can I tell you it felt like a God hug? It felt like God wrapping his arms around me and just saying, I see you. I know you. I see what you're doing. I see it. And it matters to me. And, um, and it, it was a moment, it was an opportunity to remind myself that uh, loving deeply means that we're in community. And um, I would encourage you even practically. We've got fall groups coming out, coming up here in uh, about a month, not even less than that. I would encourage you, get in community so that you can love and that others can love you. Do it in your life, yes. You have lots of opportunities, but be a part of the church family. Do it there too. Love well. Luke 7, 47. I love it. It sums it up this way. When we comprehend what God's done for us, whoever has been forgiven much loves much. Whoever doesn't feel like they've been forgiven a lot kind of loves a little. I don't know about you, but I have been forgiven a lot. So I'm going to love much. I'm going to choose to align my value 
and our value. I'm challenging us, church. This is not just Christina's call. This is all of our calls as believers, as sons and daughters of God to reflect God's values. And remember, what we value, our behaviors will actually dictate our values. And so let's love deeply. So I'm going to challenge you. Here's your last challenge. You ready? I've given you a lot of challenges this week. Are you loving people well in your life? Take inventory. Are you loving people well? If not, maybe you just need to slow down and make some margin. And I know you're like, oh, Christina, I don't have time. I know I don't have time either. But I did have time the other night when I was like, hey, I'm just going to quickly scroll social media and see what's going on on the news and what's going on with my family. And before I knew it, 45 minutes had like been zapped from my life. We have time. We have time. Maybe it's one less show. One less Netflix episode. We gotta find time to love each other well. Are you too hurried with your own agenda when it really revolves around you? So I want you to reflect this week. May we frame our lives on a posture to serve. Let's choose. God, I'm gonna find out who I am in you. That, that is my primary responsibility. I, I wanna be a son and a daughter first so I can easily de-robe to live the life you called me to. I'm gonna reflect daily and I'm gonna love deeply for my whole life. This is not something I'm gonna graduate from. We are not gonna graduate from this posture. It's very difficult to kind of adopt this unless you've kind of made that decision to say, hey, Jesus, I wanna make you Lord of my life. I wanna accept this forgiveness that Christina's talking about, that I'm talking about here. Like, I wanna know this, God. I didn't even know it was possible. And Jeremy's gonna come in a moment. He's gonna give you an opportunity. We're never gonna allow an opportunity here uh, to pass without giving you an opportunity to, to, to meet this Jesus we're talking about, this God of love. But for others of you in the room, I just felt this morning that there are some of you who wanna quit on whatever you fill in the blank. Some of you have lost your joy in serving in various areas of your life. And I feel like the Lord just wants to remind you, don't quit. Just make some adjustments. You got to, you're suffering from some spiritual muscle imbalance. That's all. And guess what? You can recover really quick. I'm here for you. I'm with you. And so with every eye closed and just, just head bowed out of reverence for one another in this private moment with God. And you know, if, if that's you and you're like, hey, I've, I've lost my joy. I need some readjustment. Can I, can you just, let me know with just kind of your hand so I can pray with you. 